When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It's definitely hard because, um, you know, I really respect these players. These, these players and, you know, the ones that have been with me for six years now, they've busted their rear ends and they've done everything I've asked them to do. Um, and so... You know, and it that's always going to come into into play. You know how you feel about them as a person, uh, but I think you have to really look at. All right, <clears throat> he's a great kid. You know, he's worked his rear end off. Um, you know, we love him here. Um, can he still play? You know, that's kind of or, or if he can still play, at what level is it? And um, you know, and then you got to match that with the, the salary and every other thing, and then match it with the salary cap. You know, and so there's there's so many different variables. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar here with you as always. I'll be here Monday and then Tuesday through Friday. I'm off next week, so maybe you'll get a full dose of Judd Zolgad. Hi, Judd. Hi, Matthew. Uh, you know what? I think you get a, a dose of a lot of different things, according to the guy that runs the station. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I won't care because I'm going to be off from Tuesday till Friday. You won't be Friday. listening to your show? No, but I'll you be You don't want to hear what we have to say about the Vikings? I'll be back. Well, it depends on how many hot routes are done. I'll listen to other people doing hot routes because it's that There good. will be hot routes and done. there will be hot routes Hot routes don't sleep because you leave. And there will be some today at 2.30. And then uh, Myra Metcalf is going to come in here at 3. I want to start off the show with emails that I get. Every single day since the end of the season and some during the season about Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. So Teddy Bridgewater, as you well know, Judd, this year was asked to fill in for Drew Brees. And uh, when he went in, a lot of people thought, well, you know what? If he wins a game or two, that would be great. Let's see if his knee even holds up, if he can get out there. And not only did he do that, but much more. 5-0, and the best career quarterback rating that Teddy Bridgewater has ever had. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions, and he shredded apart a very good Chicago Bears defense to leave his last impression. So he didn't play super well in the first two games. He was still kind of getting his rhythm going and everything else. And then in the final three games that he started, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, and Chicago, so defenses that are pretty good. Teddy Bridgewater, seven touchdowns, one pick, 108 quarterback rating, Mm -hmm. only sacked four times in those games, and averaged uh, 7.7 yards per attempt. Those are top-notch starting quarterback numbers in a small sample, of course. But the bigger sample on Bridgewater 
as you've heard Alex Boone talk about, is that his reputation is that players want to play with him. Sean Payton told Mike Zimmer when they got Bridgewater um, before this season, he told them that they had him in practice and all those things and that he wants Bridgewater to be his future quarterback. But Teddy is a free agent. So if Drew Brees comes back, it's more likely than not that Teddy will be on the market. And what has been floated to me by no less than a dozen people, whether it's on Twitter or through email, is that the Vikings signed Teddy Bridgewater back to be the backup, but they give him a big contract, and then he takes over as the starter in 2021. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say about that topic is that I've gotten enough interest that we should discuss it, but it's not happening, and I'm sorry. Teddy Bridgewater wanted to be the Minnesota Vikings franchise quarterback after he came back from his injury. The Vikings looked at studies of how players who have had this injury have recovered and whether they've ever gone on to succeed, and there was something like only a 25% chance that he would become the player that he once was. That is what they told Mike Zimmer, who loves Teddy Bridgewater more than you love anyone. And Zimmer said, okay, we'll move on. And everybody agreed, we'll go with Kirk Cousins and not Teddy Bridgewater. However, Teddy Bridgewater, not a fan of that. Teddy Bridgewater did not say, oh, oh, the knee study. Okay, good. Well, uh, you guys do you. He said, I'm sure I'm going to show you. Yes. And uh, I I think that him coming back and going 5-0 was a little bit of that. Like, look at this. Look at the knee now. Look at how much and work by the I way, put into it. Look that I'm still a franchise quarterback. I think both parties, in what you're describing, were being very fair. Oh, definitely. Like, the Vikings definitely. did the right thing. And and I would actually accuse the Vikings of too often being fiercely loyal to players and coming back and saying, I'm not sure that that was the right move. So I would say the Vikings made the right move, but in Teddy's case, you can't blame him one bit. He's going to say that. At the time, I was for rolling the dice on Teddy and also drafting someone else like Lamar Jackson or even trading for somebody else who could be your quarterback just in case or keeping Case Keenum. That was the direction I probably would have picked out of all of them Mm -hmm. was to keep Bridgewater because, A, of his relationship with Mike Zimmer. I felt like uh, if you're ever going to win anything, you have to have the quarterback and the coach on the same page. And after I read Bruce Arians' book last year, I felt even stronger about that. That if your quarterback and your head coach are separate entities, it's going to make it pretty tough. And, and that is what we have here. And now poor Bruce is Jameis Winston, but I digress. Well, he won't for long, I think, after what he saw from Jameis Winston this year. And in my mind, if you're Teddy Bridgewater, you're pointing out the Indianapolis Colts and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as two franchises where you should be wanting them to sign you. Absolutely. There is... Almost no chance that Teddy Bridgewater is a backup quarterback anywhere next year after the way he played. Those final three games, he wasn't just okay. He was fantastic Mm -hmm. against Tampa Bay. And that's the thing, too. Beat Tampa Bay right in front of them, gave them a little look-see. And then even the game that was close against Jacksonville, he was still good. A high completion percentage, 240 yards passing. And the Chicago game was really his and this is what you could have. He looked better in the Chicago game than he did a lot in 2015. But the best point is this one. Teddy is not... I, I don't care if he if he decided, you know what? I love the Vikings. I love Zim. You know what? All is forgiven. There is no way that with the clock ticking on his career, he can again say, but I'll sit again. 
he has to start next year. Yes. And yes. I don't know if he could play 16 games. Perhaps he can. Perhaps he can win a Super Bowl. I don't know. But he can't, for his sake, say, ah, you know, Minnesota, great memories, great coach. I'm going to sit behind Kirk. No chance. And, and the Vikings yeah. can't, unless I'm completely wrong here, the Vikings can't afford to even get close with Kirk under contract to what Teddy should and will get. That's correct. So also, there's just, it doesn't even, work. Even the deal that Bridgewater had to be the backup for New Orleans would not make sense for the Minnesota Vikings right now because they have negative cap space. And sure, you can move this guy and this guy and this guy, but my question would be, who's playing corner? <laughs> you don't have any. Yes. How are you signing Anthony Harris to stay back here? How are you signing a nickel corner, two outside corners, more likely than not? Potentially an edge rusher. How about a defensive tackle? You needed one of those. Uh, so they have so many needs and a left guard on this team that it would be impossible to spend a lot on a backup quarterback. It's more likely than not that Sean Mannion will be your backup quarterback next year. And then if you draft someone, you'd have the three of them, or maybe your draft pick ends up being the backup on a rookie salary. Mm-hmm. Even then, if you draft a rookie quarterback in the first round, that's a huge salary to take on for a backup quarterback, and they might not do it just because of that. Because they they need to fill out the rest of the roster, and you know that Mike and Rick still want to win in 2020. So the Teddy Bridgewater idea, well, I appreciate how hard people are trying for it. And all these people see Bridgewater the same way that I do. They see him as somebody who had uh, an extra special gene to lead people and to win games and even when his statistics are not the best or when things aren't going particularly well, he can find a way. And if you're talking about placing Bridgewater in the same circumstances against San Francisco as Kirk Cousins, you have much more belief that Bridgewater would find a way out of it. That doesn't mean he wins everything, but the guy is 22-12 and 12 as a starter, and in his second year as a starter, took his team to the playoffs and led a game-winning drive that should have been a 27-yard field goal and then comes right back and has two game-winning drives and five starts for the New Orleans Saints. Like, just typical Teddy Bridgewater stuff. His mobility, his accuracy, his ability to get more out of everyone than is there. All these things everyone knows about now. Everyone has seen. And I'm sure that there will be several teams making phone calls and big offers for him to, to start. Teddy Bridgewater. For him to start, so, step in day one. Right. So he would never the accept the backup job, no. even if it's for one no. more year. Nor should he. If, if Indy calls you and Tampa Bay calls What's you his age and the now? Chargers call, uh, he's only 27. So he's okay, so 27. But year. still. Yeah, you're not going to say, ah, yeah, I'll sit again. No, and he actually just turned 27, 68. There were how many starting quarterbacks in the National Football League in 2019 who, if you could have worked it to get Teddy starting instead of them, he would have. Uh, Let's see. It had to be quite a few. It had to be what? I mean, eight to ten, eight at least. At least a third of the league, because Indianapolis absolutely would have rather have had. Um, Teddy, Teddy, then Jacoby Brissett. There's no question that they would not have wanted in Tampa 30 interceptions. The Carolina Panthers could be in the playoffs with Teddy Bridgewater True. instead of Kyle Allen. He was really bad. Yep. Um, Miami. Gosh, I bet even John Miami Gruden Dolphins. in Oakland would have liked him more than Derek Carr. Certainly, Denver would have liked him what more than Jax? Joe Flacco. What about your guy, 
Absolutely, Joe Flacco. Uh, or absolutely, no, but, absolutely Jacksonville. Yeah, absolutely Jacksonville. They're probably a playoff contender with Teddy Bridgewater. Their quarterback play was horrible. Even with Gardner Minshew, it was sort of a short-lived. Who look at that? Oh no, 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 no. Never mind. Um, I mean, Cleveland would have been in the playoffs or in playoff contention. Baker was not good at all this mm-hmm. year. So there's a lot of teams that would have looked at their quarterback situation and seen Teddy as an improvement or someone who could have made them at least a 500 team. And they'll remember that what everyone would have wanted to see to make Teddy your starter is him go five and zero filling in for Drew Brees. And after they got to see that there will be teams who are sold on this idea, even if they draft someone too, Teddy is going to be their starter um, somewhere for some team. And he's not going to come back to Minnesota. And not only that, but my feeling on Bridgewater is that he would never say it because he knows how loved he is in Minnesota. Sure. He would never come out and say, I felt like I was mistreated. But remember, they tried to toll the contract. Yeah, which I still, that shocked me. That one shocked yeah. me. They tried hard to toll the contract. Yeah, and he was to ticked off and there. he should have been ticked yeah. off. So I, I, I think that that... There is really no relationship anymore between the Vikings and Teddy Bridgewater. Nothing especially that would make him go, oh, I could be the starter for Tampa and have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, or I can go be the backup in Minnesota. It's just not and By the way, I'm, fr- I'm from Florida, too, so I'm right. closer to home. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. This just occurred to me, and it might be an absolutely crazy question, but it might not be. If Teddy Bridgewater is the starter for the 2019 Los Angeles Rams, are they in the playoffs? Yes. I think they I are. Mean, Jared Goff's they were that close. Jared Goff the underwhelmed the Vikings us, right? Not. Jared Goff underwhelmed us for quite a bit of this season. Okay, I've got a, I've got another question that's the similar. Um, if he's the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings in 2019, are they a two-seat? Who did they beat that Teddy would not have beaten? And oh, the, the answer to that question is nobody. Nobody. And... The Packers game, they win. Teddy doesn't throw that pick. Okay. The, well, okay. the Chicago game, they might have lost because the offensive line got killed so much. I'll give you this. I will give them two victories that they didn't get. I'll give you... I'll give you. Let's say they split with the Packers, okay? Yeah. Just because if you sweep the Packers, that's, that's a lot. Let's say they split with the Packers, so let's say they win in Week 2, okay? Let's also say that they win in Kansas City... I think they win the. I think Kansas with, City they win. Yeah. I I think with a real mentally strong quarterback, you win in Kansas City or Seattle. Probably not both. I'll give you two more wins. The game winning drive in Seattle. I mean, that's, a, that's I'm a just going to give you special. Yeah, off the top on the record, I'm going to put you up to twelve wins. And we assume that they beat Chicago Week 17 at home because yeah. they're, they're not playing backups at that point. Yeah, so that puts them in the range of being a 13 and three 13. team. Yeah, you're right. And I think that's their talent. That's what is so frustrating about this team in particular is their talent level compared to the rest of the NFC was a 13 and 3 team. When we went position by position with the Packers, position by position with the 49ers, the Vikings were better in a lot of areas than those teams. Yep. They got no shows. And in my article that I did looking at Kirk Cousins' season, there were several games by even just the QBR metric that ESPN has, the 1 through 100 that were so bad, you couldn't win. The quarterback play was just so awful mm-hmm. that it gave you no chance to win, which is the one way I like to use that metric is, you know, did you have a chance to win? Did you, you know, were they a 50-50 type of game where it depends on everyone else? Did they get a 90 where they did it? Or did you get a 20 where you didn't? And here against Green Bay Week 2, 
Week 4 against Chicago, Week 13 against Seattle, and Week 16 against Green Bay, his QBR scores were so bad, you can't win with those. They were 7, 21, 40, and 24. You can't win when your quarterback plays that badly. Right. And that factors in game situation. So obviously he would have been dinged hard for that game-winning drive against Seattle, but didn't play particularly great in uh, any other part but of it. But I think you get at least two more I think of you those win two wins more. that we're talking about. Yep. And, and they won all the games that they were supposed to win. The rest of the and way. And they would have won those. But, I mean, if Case Keenum's the quarterback, yeah, they win most probably of those. Win those. Yeah, right? yeah, you're going to be the Giants with Case. And that right there, that feeling, is probably why I get the emails about bringing Teddy back. Because everybody knows but, it. But what you're describing is what makes the setup for the 2020 season so intriguing to talk about. This is why I, I'm trying to think of the last offseason that the Vikings went into, Matthew. Where it wasn't just intriguing, you know, because 17 into 18 was intriguing because it's like, okay, Cousins is here. Can they get to a Super Bowl? But I'm talking about where you turn a corner and it's actually defining. What makes 2019 to 20 to me, as far as the seasons go, so fun to talk about right now is it's potentially defining. Yeah. Because you have to make decisions on not only where you're going, but where you're at with certain people. And that doesn't make them bad players. But some are aging. Some have capped out basically at what they can do. And so that's why there's so many different directions that the people in Egan could sit down in the next few weeks and decide this has to be our path. That's why I think that this is. And and some of them would absolutely have nothing to do with pursuing a Super Bowl probably in 20 and maybe 21. Well, I think that they have to pursue a Super Bowl in 2020. There's no other choice. You can't tank. You're just not bad enough. No, but you could but you could start to put together components that basically don't make you a championship team because you know that you're not. But those components could help you down the road. Like you could start a plan of life after Kirk with Kirk still on your roster. Oh, you could definitely do that. You mean by drafting a quarterback in the first round? I'm saying drafting a quarterback in the first round or or deciding deciding we've got these two great safeties, but guess what? It makes no sense to have them both on multi-year, multi-million dollar contracts. And so, so yes, the two safeties could help us immediately, but down the road we're going to regret this. I'm saying that you could start to turn a corner in organizational philosophy while Kirk is still here. That Kirk might say, that seems odd, but you're like, no, it's actually not odd. How do you convince Mike Zimmer to do that, though? He would, well, that's why I told you yesterday that I'm very curious. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for when they meet to say, I know, me be, too. Because I think with a coach at some point in time, you say, Mike or Mr. Head Coach, we've given you this chance. Now we're making decisions. Because I, I don't yep. think, I don't yep. think the head coach can go in there every year and mandate. And if he says, damn it, I'm 63 and I'm in, you say, okay, what do you want to do here? We're, we're doing it our way. Do you want to be involved? Because if you don't, right. Yep. Take your bone and go home. Yeah, I still want to know how that's going to go. Yeah. And I still leave the door open to us being very stunned in a week or something. Or like me having to come back from vacation because they've decided to mutually depart ways. And you know going on vacation, that's a great point. I know. Going on vacation will trigger it's, something huge next it's week. It's going to be a staycation. I'm not going out of town because, well, not just because of that, but... Um, because I want to just like hang out for a little while after such a crazy football. But you season. know when you try to decompress, what happens? Yes, that something will happen, no doubt about it. Uh, I leave that door open because if the direction is different from the ownership to the head coach, they could decide. All right, well, we had a great run here, but we're going to go a different way because we know we're going to have to dip back in order to three years from now remain competitive. So if we go seven and nine with our 
young quarterback or something in 2021, that's not something that Mike Zimmer is going to be okay with. Or like you said, if we don't sign Anthony Harris to a five-year extension where he gets a ton of money, how is Zimmer going to react to that? Or if if I tell him, or we're spending the first round pick on a quarterback. Or Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Like what Mike loves Cook, right? Yeah. He wants to run the ball constantly. What happens if you look Mike in the eye and say, this ain't going to happen, Mike. Yep. He's I'm holding out. Too bad. Still leaving that door open. Now, here's another door that we had open last year and talked about quite a bit around the draft was, should you trade your second-round pick for Josh Rosen? The Miami Dolphins did trade their second-round pick for Josh Rosen. They put him with the worst football team in the entire world, um, but they ended up with five wins still with Fitzmagic because he's Fitzmagic and beat the Patriots at the end of the year. So So Fitzpatrick will get a five-year contract extension or something. But Rosen playing for the uh, Miami Dolphins was an absolute nightmare. Mm -hmm. Now, they wouldn't name him the starting quarterback, which seemed short-sighted and silly and still does because they might be drafting Trevor Lawrence right now if they did that. But he played Horribly, Like, there's no way around it. He was absolutely awful. And has he now has a 16-game sample of starts between Miami and Arizona, two teams that have had him and decided, no, nah, we're, you know, yeah. And he has a 63 quarterback rating and 5.7 yards per pass attempt. Mm-hmm. It does not get much worse than that. Mm-hmm. But I looked at Carson Wentz's first 16 games, and it's not super unusual to have a really bad first 16 games as a young quarterback. And Carson Wentz was older than Josh Rosen when he, like, jo- like Josh Rosen right now is still younger than Carson Wentz was for his first year. Really? Yeah, it's weird. Wow. Wentz was 24 when he entered the NFL. Ooh. Right? Wentz is like 28 years old now. He's, I, I say, what's he like? I think he's older than Bridgewater. Now? I think he's older than Teddy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, huh. anyway, his first year, he averaged 6.2 yards per an attempt and had a 79 quarterback rating, which is atrocious. They won a few games with a very good team. Then he took the step the next year where he was great on a very, very good team. Would you still be interested in trading for Josh Rosen? Let's say it's a fourth-round pick now. They yeah. traded a second it's not, it's one, not a second round pick but it's anymore. a fourth-round pick now because he played so badly. He's your backup this year, uh-huh. and then you get to see him for a year and decide. And if you don't like what you see, then in 2021 you can draft one if you're moving on from Kirk. Or if Kirk takes you to the Super Bowl in 2020, you never know, then you just re-sign Kirk for a long period of time. I would do that in a heartbeat, and here's why. Rosen's young. We saw the Cardinals game here. Mismanaged beyond belief. Yeah. Had no chance. I did not intently watch Dolphins games in 2019, but my guess is it was also... A complete gong show there, right? He comes here. He's my backup. But I get to see him and cultivate him with Gary. And again, Gary, Gary, Gary's a good coach. Behind the scenes, Gary works with him. That helps him. Uh, if Cousins gets hurt, he plays. And But what's the knock that we heard? And we mocked it. But the knock of Rosen coming out of UCLA was what? He's cocky. He's too sure of himself. Yeah. Well, he, he won't be now, I don't he, think. That's my point. He spent the last yeah. two years being humbled. Like if I'm football guy and I wanna have the and I wanna have the cockiness knocked out of you, Josh Rosen probably has, right? Yeah. So I get to see him at his most vulnerable as far as a quarterback goes. A guy desperate to probably get in a good system. Forget playing. Just get just prove himself as far as I'm with a competent team, because he's been with two franchises that aren't so far. So, would I trade a fourth-round pick for him? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
in a second. So the systems that he's had, Arizona was just an abomination. That was like the worst thing I've ever seen. And they fired their coordinator a couple days later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Miami, obviously, they had Fitzmagic sitting back there in the shotgun just throwing it down the field. Because why not? Because he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, if Rosen was in a system like this, one of his big issues is that he gets sacked all the time. In 16 games, 61 times sacked, Ooh. which is insane. But look, look who they had on that offensive line. Sure. Nobody. Yeah, no, I'm not it blaming was the them. worst pass-blocking team in the entire NFL. I think if he gets in the similar system that bootlegs him out and gets him some time to throw, um, by the way, PFF had them as dead last in pass-blocking by like 50 miles, okay. like way, way worse than the next worst team. The Dolphins. And a veteran quarterback might be able to figure out how to just get rid of the ball so he doesn't die, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. But a 22-year-old quarterback Brett would really struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, very light. Um, but with Rosen, if you were bootlegging him out, giving him time to throw, and allowing him to use his arm talent the way that uh, Kirk Cousins has going down the field, that might work for him. It might give him a chance. When I watched him during draft time with UCLA... I felt like his best asset was kind of similar to Kirk, where he had arm talent. He could throw down the field accurately. And he had enough, he had like a little bit of athleticism in terms of some footwork and, and things like that. But he's kind of like Kirk in that he's not going to outrun anyone, which I think is why he gets sacked so much when you ask him to just stand back there. And if you don't have special receivers who could get open, that's going to be a problem. But Best world scenario, he probably becomes Kirk Cousins, where he's going to have to be a guy who's in a certain type of system, but he can throw accurately when he works the ball down the field. I mean, I, I like that idea still because it won't cost you anything, and you get a look at him for a year. Yes. And if he stinks and you don't like his attitude and everything else, then you say, whatever, man. And Who if, cares? If Mannion's gone, are you going to sweat that? I think absolutely not. So if he's the backup, I. To Interviewers me, will, but other than that. Yeah. Yeah. Great well, interview. Sorry for you guys. I know. But. If that's you don't the, get many breaks around there. No, you don't. But if that's the <laughs> case, I am willing to take that gamble. I, I don't even think it, it's a huge gamble. I think there's just upside. Because the worst case, he, he does stink. But best case, he's been with two completely in-up franchises yep. for two years. Yep. He, he's had the cockiness and brashness probably knocked out of him by now. And you develop him and you might have something. Yeah, These and, guys are so hard to find. I'm willing to take that gamble. I think there are a lot of similarities to Cousins. And even Cousins. Like 2013, he got in some games. He was an atrocity. Yeah, like, the, well, that's tough. 2013, he Cousins started three games, and this is a guy. Actually, how about this? Even for a two-year span, mm-hmm. I'll even go three to include when he got off to a hot start. Kirk Cousins' first three years, he went two and seven as a starting quarterback with 18 touchdowns, 19 picks, and a 77 quarterback rating. Yeah. Even he was absolutely horrendous look, in, you know, from 2012 look to Look at Peyton's first year. Look at a lot of guys. It's it's the, the, the learning curve with good teams is probably difficult, let alone bad teams where you're basically left to, to fend for yourself. David Carr, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Tim Couch. The now, thing- I'm sure some of these guys stink, yeah. but some of them will, we will never know. And that's the hard thing about it, because someone like David Carr is a good example, where Sage Rosenfels played with David Carr, and he said, look, I know that everyone said it was the circumstances, Mm -hmm. but the guy wouldn't throw the football. (laughs) He would just not get rid of it and got sacked. But he was to an even different level than uh, Josh Rosen. 
He got sacked 76 times in his first year. And still, David Carr had one halfway decent season, and I believe it was playing with Gary in the in the bootlegs and rollouts where he had a, a <laughs> seven and nine year and and he was much better playing with this type of system. It would be totally worth it in my mind to give up a fourth round draft pick to get someone like Josh Rosen just to see mm-hmm. if something is there. And you try to make him your Ryan Tannehill. Like that's now going to be sort of a what would you call it? Like a verb or whatever. Like Tannehill. Tannehill? Yeah. But Tannehill. But that should be the plan. Yeah, like you should. So. That's that's what you should do because you're not it, all going to draft one. And by the way, this kid, the best part, he's still on that rookie contract. Yes, so I still got that contract. And, and even if you decide that you love what you saw in practice and you're going to turn it over to him in 2021, it, you're not going to have to pay him a ton of money or something. Right, right. So you're going to be able to just negotiate a fair contract that would be for a guy who hasn't proven anything in the NFL because at that point he won't. Now, the question is, do you like that better than drafting someone in the first round this year? That depends on what the Vikings would be willing to do in the first round this year. If it's not Tua and it's not Burrow. I think it's about the same odds. Then it probably is. This guy at least is 23 and has some NFL experience, albeit ugly experience, but he's actually been here. Do you if, like Herbert? No, not okay. at all. If you don't like him, then yes, I would rather go this route. I, I just think you need to do something that's going to tip your hand a little bit to this question. Do you have a plan? The only thing is that, well, yeah, I'd like yeah, to see do you have a what plan? the plan is for the future. The only thing with Rosen is you're sort of hoping that the guy turns out to be Kirk Cousins, which couldn't quite get you far enough anyway. you know. That if would I be, get him this early, can I, can I change him a little bit more, though? See, I feel like Kirk, they got Kirk, Kirk was going to be Kirk. Because of Kirk's age and right. experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. in life, can I get the? If I get this kid, can I shape him a little bit more? Can I yeah. mold him? Is he still young enough? He's just not like the athlete we've been talking about, though. He's True. a similar athlete to Kirk Cousins. I he still see no downside here. I, don't I, see I still see no I don't downside because the worst case, I decide he's not the guy. Yeah. I'm not paying him a ton. I move on again. But if your idea would be, hey, you know, we haven't really gotten to that next level with a pocket quarterback who doesn't have. Uh, you know, excessive athleticism and doesn't make quick decisions with the football. Well, Josh Rosen is not a great athlete and doesn't make quick decisions with the football. Does Josh have the feel for pressure? <laughs> I know that sounds stupid and simple. No, I don't think simplistic. he does. I don't think he does. Okay, yet. so if you don't have the feel for pressure, I am concerned again because that's Kirk's thing. But that I mean, like you can't slide yeah, around. Pre- I don't. Thing. I don't need you. You don't have to be great on the run. I like it if you are, um, but I need you to at least sense pressure and shuffle within the pocket. Because that's the thing about Kirk that dry, that if I was a coach would drive me the most crazy. It's like, okay, we're going to have breakdowns. I know that. I apologize, Kirk. But once in a while, can you shuffle around the pocket? He can might you be feel, able to do that. Step it's up? a low bar to clear. Can you step up? Can you can you feel that backside pressure coming and just make a move here or there? I'll tell you Subtle the move. I haven't watched much of Josh Rosen. I mean, I, I only saw one. Why don't you spend next week breaking maybe down I Josh Rosen film? If there's any buzz about it, Maybe I will. Charge the company for a week of work. Just Josh Rosen breakdown. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, take a break. We come back. I have routes, and they are hot. And also, um, I'm feeling extremely old at this moment. Even me. We'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. Hey, Score North listeners. It's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need 
when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever, like you built a company and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app this month. One lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to Top Golf with prizes also available for Amazon.com and more. Register your app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner also on that Score North mobile app. We have more new deep dives available on Minnesota Sports Rewind, including two new episodes on the Johan Santana trade and the craziest season in Vikings history. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind available on the Score North mobile app, Apple, and Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. All right. Uh, it is time again. We have lots of things to get to, so we will start our hot routes in just a second. But, Judd. Yes. When was the first feeling for you that you were suddenly old? Like, you were not always this decrepitly old as you are now. I'm 50, so, man. I'm very uh, decrepitly old. Oh, I can smell it. So, um, what? Uh, <laughs> smell the death on you. So, uh, but but was there Musk. an athlete thing that happened with you where someone retired or well, something like besides that? Besides when you took me to shoot where... basketballs? <laughs> um, I'll be able to shoot way better than you when I'm 50. I can tell you that. You know what? But was there ever yes, a time yes, where you were I'll like, give you the... I'm so desperately yes, old as sad? And this actually happened to me twice uh, because it was in uh, different decades. The first time I picked up a media guide or a program or a roster and saw that somebody was born in the 90s. Mm. And then more recently when I see, and I think that this is more hockey players probably right now, born in like 2000, Yeah, that's when you're like, oh my gosh, oh my old. Well, I'm having a moment right now because Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's son, yes. is declaring for the NFL. Randy Moss's son see, that doesn't is even old phase enough me. to be in the NFL. That doesn't even phase me now. Man, that is crazy. I'm so, see, I reek a death so bad that that doesn't even phase me. <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> All right, on to Hot Routes, Jonathan. Hot Routes. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid-fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 5-8-8-3-9-7. All right, let us start it off with Ryan Tannehill, who will be going up against Patrick Mahomes and has a chance at one of the biggest upsets, I think, in NFL history on Sunday. He said that he has not changed as a player, even though his production is better, which... Adam Gase, LOL, right? I mean, he's got to well, be talking about, like, yeah, I'm not any different. And the Dolphins, but... the whole Dolphins right. organization. Yep. What's well, weird how you gave me some receivers and a running game and a defense, and all of a sudden I have now reached my potential as the eighth overall selection in the draft. Yes. I want you guys to give me a player who was probably always good, but didn't succeed until they left their first team. I'll give, I'll reminds give you, a, you of Ryan Tannehill. I'll give you a quarterback who played 
for the Vikings, and he actually played for a good offensive coach. And he was traded from the Patriots to the Vikings because the Patriots wanted to move in positions. Damn and he it. said, "No, I'm a quarterback." But then, but the reason then, I wrote this was for this Denny, guy. Denny didn't allow him to achieve his success. Now I'm gonna have to think of another one. And he lives in Excelsior to this day. Works with, I believe, our guy Kevin Harlan, Rich Gannon. I wrote this for Rich Gannon. I once did a player profile for Viking Update back in the 90s when I did all their player profiles on Rich Gannon, and Rich Gannon went from, I don't know what Denny didn't like. I still can't to this day. I mean, my goodness, he had, Gannon had the the mindset for it. He was a tough guy as far as being able to play the position in the 90s, but Rich Gannon, there's another former Viking that could make this list as well very easily. You mean Teddy? No, no, no. Law right around the same time as Rich Gannon was with the team. Who's that? Chris Carter. Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. All he does yeah. is catch touchdowns. Yeah, a little substance good. abuse thing. Got I taken thought he care was a quarterback. No, nope, uh, but, nope. yeah. but Chris yeah. Carter was yeah, one. That's a good example. But, buddy Ryan, that was the greatest quote of all time. All he does is catch touchdowns. I know. What a shame. You hate to see it. <laughs> well, he can also catch that route in the sideline where he keeps yeah. two feet in and taps him. Jonathan? Mine wasn't so much that he didn't succeed. It's just... When he got to his new team, he completely changed the way we ever thought about running backs. Marshall Falk, he went from yeah. he went from four yards an aver- four yards an attempt rushing for Indianapolis to when he got to St. Louis in that offense to five and a half yards per attempt, and then he went from like forty catches to now eighty. It was insane what what his transformation was when he got to St. Louis. You guys think I'm old already? I'm gonna make my I'm gonna date myself even more. <laughs> I'm not joking. True story. Playing fantasy football in 1994, week one, my buddy uh, and I on the internet with paper. How did you do this? We drafted was and we had bo- teams written like down. There was no internet. Sports? Yes, 1994. No. My buddy wow. and I, the Vikings played their opener against the Packers at Lambeau. But I was a fantasy football player and was thrilled that day because, if I'm not mistaken, you can look this up. Week one, rookie Marshall Falk of the Colts scored not one, not two, but I believe three touchdowns. I got all these points. It looked like such a great draft pick. That's how old I am, boys. Congratulations, Jed, on that. Well, I figured good, I might good, as well. I figured you, you dated me. You said I smelled like death, so I figured I might yeah. as well give you reason. So yeah, three old. touchdowns. So old. 143 yards rushing against Houston Oilers. I only have one question. How do I remember that? I will, uh... How do you remember 1994? Because I can't uh, remember what I ate for breakfast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You know who had a chance at being this guy was Sam Bradford. Had a very good chance at it because, uh, you know, he didn't work out in St. Louis, didn't work out in Philadelphia, and then came here with Pat Shermer and looked like he was trending toward rewriting the narrative on him, and then he ends up getting hurt. Uh, But if I'm going to give another example, a guy who seems to come up on hot routes all the time, Steve Young with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Steve Young could not have been worse with the Buccaneers, as so many people in the 80s were. And he, in his first two seasons as a starter in Tampa Bay, he went 3-16 and with a 63 quarterback rating, 11 touchdowns, 21 picks, and 6 yards per attempt. Just horrible. And then uh, the rest of his career, you know what? He was okay. He was okay in San Francisco. He's all right. Uh, yeah, he was all right. So, yeah. so it does happen. Yeah. It does happen, Josh Rosen. It does happen. You stay strong, buddy. Uh, all right, our next hot route here. Bengals coach Zach Taylor said the Bengals still have a long way to go before making a, a decision on Joe Burrow. Yeah, sure, yeah. So Didn't do I. they ask him to go to the Senior Bowl so they could get started working with him now? Uh, well, 
He's going to be the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals next year. I don't think there's yeah. any question about that. But I want you to give me something this offseason that would truly shock you. Because if Cincinnati went, yeah, no, no, I don't think Joe Burrow's good enough. We're going to go with Chase Young instead. That would truly be a shock. So give me something else this offseason that could happen that if it did, you would be truly stunned. You want me to start? Yeah. All right, I will start you with something that I believe the... the um, Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers have referred to as they're going to do, but I'll be shocked if it's the case. If Jameis Winston really is their quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Because I think at the end they said, oh, yeah, well, we'd like Jameis back. And Bruce Arians is a savvy, cool customer. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to, you know, roast a guy and say he stinks. He realized he can't fix him, though. Yeah, but if we go into July and they're like, oh, yeah, no, no, we really are serious. We're bringing him back. I will be 30 interceptions in 2019. Just think about that. It's darn near impossible. So that would truly shock me if a quarterback coach, if a guy who's had so much success with that position does stick with Jameis Winston. Usually you get benched at like 15. 30, doubled that. 30 is Bradshaw 1970s numbers, man. It's insane. Uh, the one thing that would surprise me, and I know, I don't know, Bill Belichick out in New England, it just seems like the person who's going to leave there is Tom Brady. But if it's not Tom Brady and it's Bill Belichick, I think that would surprise me. I don't know why, but... It would shock me the most that he would be the one to leave when it seems like everything's leaning toward Tom Brady Mm. taking off somewhere else. That's a good one. And actually, both of those were in the ballpark of what I was thinking. You guys are really taking my answers uh, this time. You can start next time, okay? How about this? If the Detroit Lions did something in the offseason that made so much sense that could possibly make them a contender to win the NFC North next year, even with Matt Patricia. So let's say they... Let's hear it. Hold on. I'll think of something. Because they made some good defensive signings last year. Get, how about they, you told me that. they sign Jadavion Clowney? Okay. They spend a bunch of money to sign Jadavion Clowney, and then they draft one of the top wide receivers, maybe the guy from uh, Alabama or the guy from LSU, and then all of a sudden they've got Lewis, they've got Hawkinson, yeah. they've got this guy, and then they've got Jadavion Clowney on defense, or they sign Anthony Harris to be their new safety, right? Oh, right? Like, that's wow. close to home. I, I'm... It, Whoa! I am generally thinking the Detroit Lions will just be bums as they have been for so long. But it, something that would truly shock me would be, oh my God, the Lions look like a legitimate contender if we get to, say, June, and we're saying that. That would truly, truly can you, shock. Can you imagine the fear in the Vikings front office if Jadavian Clowney went to Detroit? So you look at those three other teams, the NFC North, and you look at their pass right. rush. You don't even like, get a freebie. Uh, this offensive line, hmm, we right. should probably do something really strong about this. Might help you. Yeah. Our next hot route, uh, 49ers defensive quarterback uh, coordinator Robert Sala said there was no disappointment from him when he didn't get the Browns job. Again, sure, yeah, yeah all right, gotcha. No disappointment whatsoever about not being a head coach and getting like a million more dollars a year. Uh, So that's an obvious lie. I want you guys to give me an obvious lie pertaining to how you feel about the games this weekend. Like just flat out lie completely to me about one of the games or something pertaining to the games. You start, Collar. We've been stealing your answers. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm going to hate to watch Pat Mahomes play at... Arrowhead Stadium, and really hope he loses because I do not want to see that guy in the Super Bowl. 
That is an obvious lie. I really want to see Patrick Mahomes win a Super Bowl because he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And no, keep won. the lie going. But that was a lie. I, I, yeah, no, I know, but I don't want you to go back oh, on the okay. lie. Uh, the lie yeah. was good. So That's the purpose of would this. Would hate to see him win. Yeah. Bad guy. It's going to be amazing when Ryan Tannehill lights it up in Kansas City and throws for over 250 yards, considering he's thrown for about 150 yards in the first two playoff games so far. So that'd be like your lie prediction that he would be throwing for over 250 yards? AFC, both both of you going with the uh, Tennessee. He's just not going to throw for over 100 yards. He's not going to need to. There is no question in my mind, because I've broken this game down. I'll go to, to the other game. Grinded the tape. NFC. I've grinded the tape. There is no question <laughs> in my mind that if you look at the matchup in Santa Clara, California on Sunday, that Matt LaFleur is clearly the better offensive <laughs> mind than Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Matt LaFleur's offensive mind, clearly better. I, I just, I mean, Kyle, Kyle's good. Matt LaFleur, you guys don't get this yet. True genius. He's elite to call PJ oh, Fleck. Okay. He's an elite offensive mind. This is a that game is a one sided offensive coaching matchup. All right, obvious lies there about the weekend, which I am excited for. I think Tennessee can hang with it. And just because Matt Lafleur is twelve doesn't mean he's not good at what he does. Okay, <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, I just Kyle, want to tell Kyle you. Shanahan looks twelve too. Yeah, but Matt Lafleur with that team when when he addressed the team and they showed it. After their win against Seattle, he's like, "Okay, guys, I just this has just been fantastic. You guys are great. I love you all. I'm so proud." They're like, "Shut up. Keep coaching my team, Aaron." Um, <laughs> speaking of the 49ers, or, uh, 49ers and Packers, Zadarius Smith for the Packers was not fined for raising his jersey to reveal the word "snubbed" on his shirt underneath his jersey, which I thought was a finable offense, but uh, not so during Seattle game. What would you write on your shirt underneath your jersey if you were going to lift it up on national TV or pick a player and tell me what the, they should have under their jersey? I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to be something he's going to write on his jersey. It's going to be one of those pictures, and it's just going to be the picture of him sitting in the draft room as he keeps falling because the 49ers <laughs> didn't take him, and he's now throwing touchdowns over the 49ers. I'm going third quarter Vikings um, Niners game. As the Vikings are being manhandled by San Francisco, number 14, Stefan Diggs, should have raised his jersey and the words, it didn't work, should have been written. <laughs> it didn't work. I was thinking right along the And the, the back could have said was, I was open again. I, I was thinking of him raising it and saying, have you seen how open I am? Or just <laughs> or just the, the pictures that they send them on the sideline that are on their iPads of just like a printout of that, of him wide open, and just point to it like, do you see this, Kirk? Do you see how open I am? Could you please throw the He's ball? He's got the yellow Telestrator line on, his, on the shirt. I the think picture. if it were me, and I was pulling up my shirt to show the national audience, I would have stopped punting. So tired of the punting. Like, how about Seattle? You they wouldn't punt that much, period. Of, of can course not. Question, it's just a bad play. Can I ask a lot you a question? Times. If Bill O'Brien was going to run that fake punt like he did in Kansas City, why wouldn't you just go for that it? That was a bad move. Yeah, you'd rather have Deshaun Watson have the right. ball in his hands like than I would have stinking punter. I wouldn't have gone for it either. But if you're going to do that, why are you doing that with your punter? Yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree. Just, just go for it. And also, when it's fourth and one and you're up 21 nothing. Remember who's on the other sideline. You can't kick a field goal here. That is not Joe Flacco on the other sideline. This is a guy who could put up 28 points in an eye blink and has scored 50 points in his career before. So you have to put the dagger in them. And when it's a QB sneak situation, 
sneak. I mean, try to get that one yard and and go ahead by 28, and then maybe you've got a much better chance of winning that game. And also, Seattle had a fourth down on what? I think the 38, where they decided to punt on the other team's 38. Once you clear midfield... The way that offenses move the ball now, you should just not even bother because they're going to be right back, right back where you were in two plays. Yep. We see this all the time. You punt on the other side of the field. Two throws later, they're at midfield. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. our final hot route of the day. Myra Metcalf is coming up next with me for the next hour. Pat Shermer said he sees a bright future for Drew Locke. Now, the Broncos did go 4-1 and one with Drew Locke as a starter, and he showed some pretty serious potential. Uh, I want you to give me a bad team who you actually see a bright future for. Like, no snark. These are not lies. These are, yeah, I actually think they can be pretty damn good soon. I'll give you my top bad team from this year that I think, I think, partially based on the quarterback, is on the very much the right track and the playoff track. And I'm not going to be surprised if they're a playoff team next year, the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the problem is defensively, I don't know where they're at. I, I just looked it up. They were a plus minus in a point differential, minus 81, I believe, which is off the charts really bad. Uh, but that being said, if you can get that turned around, I like the quarterback. I think the guy can call plays in Kingsbury, yeah. I think. Yep. So that's a team that I think could very easily, because what? There's going to be two or three teams between two, both conferences, right? Next season, that flip the switch again. Mm-hmm. I think the Cardinals have a good chance to flip the switch and be a playoff team. Very tough division would be the only hold up for me is that I'm not sure who's going to be bad in that division. We are the Rams. Think it's going to be are the Ram- Where, who are the Rams? It could though? be the Rams. Could definitely be the Rams because as Jonathan brought up the other day, like they don't have draft picks and they don't have money because they're, they've signed Gurley, they've signed Jared Goff. So it's not like they could just sign a bunch of people. They kind of got to run it back. The other factor too is the NFC North next season might yield only one playoff team. I think that is going to happen. Yep. I, agree. I don't think the multiple wild cards yep. are coming from that division. I agree. Jonathan? Uh, the Cardinals were mine, but looking quickly through the standings and then seeing who they hired as their head coach, I think Washington could be a surprise team. Yeah. They're in a weak division. Ron Rivera's got a track record of success. Terry and McLaurin, he, really good player. Seems like he's basically ripping the all the rot out of that franchise and putting in new good parts there. And if Haskins is halfway yeah. decent, then they have a chance to take a big step forward. It may be like a 9-7 and seven type of team, but 9-7 and seven won that division this year, and you wouldn't be stunned if Dallas is pretty mediocre. Washington's got a good draft pick. Yes, they do, and they'll probably get Chase Young. Based on the point differential for Dallas, I would probably pick Dallas for this if, sure. if we want to say that they're a bad team this year. You might have said that they don't quite qualify I for this. I thought they were a, a mismanaged team. But... You know, you've seen this before, and you've seen this. I'll give you a hockey example, where when the Columbus Blue Jackets hired John Tortorella, everyone was like, Paul, really? You, <laughs> are you serious? This washed-up coach? And then he takes them deep into the playoffs, and they were a playoff contender almost every year because he knew what he was doing, and they had kind of some clown shows before, and they built up a, a pretty good roster there. I think Dallas actually has a really good roster, and though I don't think Mike McCarthy is Bill Walsh, I also don't think he's a complete idiot either. He's not. And I'm not he's sure not that Jason Garrett wasn't way in over his head that entire time. They're based on their talent, based on their point differential this year. They had a point differential better than the Minnesota Vikings. Was Jason Garrett in over his head for ten years, or did we flip the script on him somewhere? Mm-hmm. No, seriously, yeah, I can't believe you might it was, be right. I can't believe it was ten years. You might be right. But man, this year was awful. He might have been a good, not great coach the whole time with good, not great quarterbacks. 
And this year, they actually had the worst special teams in football this year. And that will screw you. Well, look at the Vikings game. I mean, if you miss a right, if you miss a ton of field goals and stuff, you're going to the guy fair caught miss, the, uh, You're going to lose games because that of that. fair catch against the Vikings was one of the most subtly stupid things done during the course of the entire season. Yeah, no, I'm serious. No, you're right. That's such a great way to describe right. it. He could have just stupid. gone right down the sideline. Well, but it's one of those things you didn't look yeah. at. Yeah. But when you did, you're like, oh yeah, I guess he could have gone for a touchdown. Yeah. Yep. And then they missed a field goal in that game too. That I believe what it would have been. Yeah, well, like you a, know, would have played out differently if the guy made the, the Vikings field went goal. right down and scored right. Yeah. So that's right. It gave them field goal or field position yep. to go down and score. So I'm going to go with Dallas is actually right. going to be a good team next year and win that division. Philadelphia looks like they're just kind of fading with that roster. Got old quick. Judd, thank you for your time. That was hot routes. I love hot routes. We will come back. Enjoy your time off. And uh, thank you. I will. Well, I'm after your be, conversation with Myron, enjoy I'll, your time off. I'll be back Monday. Oh, you will be. Yeah, because we're going to break down the matchup. For so the is Super the Rosen film breakdown start on Tuesday? Um, yes. No. I'm not going to break down. Just watch three games. Not until there's a little bit of buzz. Be ahead of the curve. Call got, Rick. There has to be some Put sort Rick of reason to spend that much time doing it. You could help Rick. I, I have draft prospects to start on already. Uh, but I will be continuing through next week the future of the franchise series. So running backs, wide receivers, and so forth. All right. Man never takes a break. Myron Metcalf <laughs> coming up next with me here. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Hey everyone, it's Phil Mackey here, and a little over two years ago, my mom died way too young at the hands of a rare blood cancer. She left me with two pieces of advice, be a good person and give back. So my mission is to help erase blood cancers from the planet, and I would love your help, Score North listeners, because on February 15th, we are participating in the Big Climb Minneapolis. 53 stories of stair climbing, downtown Minneapolis, proceeds benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Minnesota. MackeyLLS.com to sign up and use the promo code Mackey to get on our team for just $20. Let's raise a bunch of money to knock out blood cancer. Join Team Mackey on February 15th at the Big Climb. MackeyLLS.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, welcome in hour number two of Purple Daily. If you missed our first hour or any of other shows this week, go to wherever you get your podcast. Just type in Purple Daily, and then there will be much football right at your fingertips. Um, Myron Metcalf from ESPN joining me here for hour number two. Myron, let's just real quick, before we get into what I want to talk about, which is how the Vikings could be playing this weekend next year, what would have to happen. But before we get into that... You were scrutinized online by people for saying all year long that you did not trust the Minnesota Vikings to win the big games and to go deep. And I'm not saying that you scoffed at the win against (laughs) New Orleans, but you said, like, you know, congratulations on your one playoff win, Kirk Cousins. And then, of course, last week they fall apart against San Francisco. Kirk Cousins nose shows, and upon review of the film, there were even opportunities there for Kirk Cousins to make plays, and instead he held onto the ball and took sacks throughout that yeah. game. So I, I guess just your feeling about how it ended up going down uh, against San Francisco and what this season was. like, Was it a success, or was it just kind of the inevitable um, that we marched toward and eventually got there in San Francisco? Yeah, I, I think the San Francisco loss, Kyla, was the truth. Uh, I don't know that the Saints win was. I mean, the truth of that team was 
in moments like that, that's where they struggle. Kirk Cousins not making the best decisions. When the run gets stopped, uh, things not flowing well, that defense uh, collapsing in stretches. So I think all of the things you were concerned about, I mean, I figured that San Francisco defensive line could be really good. But they embarrassed Minnesota. I mean, like the the pressure on Kirk Cousins and just, you know, Riley Reef, you feel bad for him almost. I mean, I felt like no player that they have faced this year had more fun than Nick Bosa. I mean, Nick Bosa's out there smiling. I mean, there was that one moment where it looked like he might be hurt. He jumps up and he's laughing. I mean, those guys were generally having fun uh, with the NFC Championship game opportunity on the line. And that, to me, sums up the Minnesota Vikings. They didn't really intimidate anybody. Uh, there were moments that they should have had, and they just never arrived consistently in those situations. Now, you can take out their best moments this year and put together a pretty good highlight reel. Uh, you can really put together a, a, a stretch that says, wow, look at how good they could have been if they played this way consistently. But there was never a sense that in tough times, Kyler, that they were going to find themselves. Like mm-hmm. they, they were yeah. either going to be a team that got out to a fast start, led most of the game and won, or they were going to be a team that faced adversity and struggled and collapsed uh, against good teams. And I think that to me is what we saw against San Francisco. And that's honestly what we've witnessed throughout the entire Kirk Cousins era, not just on him, but that entire team has shrunk in those moments. So what is your thought for why that happens? Because, you know, being around the team every single day, since the beginning of the 2016 season. This was the locker room that I felt believed in each other the least and was least built for handling any type of adversity. And even in the game against New Orleans, you're never really down in that game. It's not like, oh, they've got to come back by 14 points or something. I think it was 10 to 3, but quickly became 10 to 10. And yeah. and then after that, I mean, it's a close game. It's a great game. And they finish it off at the end. But also, that narrative almost got rewritten a little differently depending on a coin flip. Because if Drew Brees wins that coin flip, I think we're talking about something completely yeah. different. We're talking yeah. about another meltdown and not being able to win at the end of a game against a good team um but yeah my theory on this you can tell me if you agree is just that when a team is around each other for so long and they don't get the job done they don't reach a super bowl i i think everyone looks at it like hey you know if you get to the super bowl and you lose we made the super bowl okay i mean we're a super bowl team and we had all that pomp and circumstance in the week building up to it and we'll you know be there forever win or lose you made the super bowl but when a team gets close to that goal and comes short, and then never gets that close again. I I think that everybody sort of gets tired of each other, and they start looking around going, well, it's not me. I'm not the reason we're disappointing. You know, I'm doing my job over here, and you guys aren't doing your job over there, and that they don't have the quarterback to force everyone to just come together. That if you have... And Patrick Mahomes is the worst example because he might be the best quarterback ever, right? (laughs) So it's like, sorry for bringing him up. But if you have Mahomes and you're bickering and you're feeling like you're going to fall apart, you're down 24 to nothing, Mahomes is like, okay, hold on, watch this. This is going to be crazy. I'm going to do some stuff you've never seen before, and we're going to win this game anyway. And then for the next 10 years, if you play on that team, there will never be any reason not to believe because you saw him come back from down 24 nothing. So you're always going to go into every season in every year, every game, thinking, we got that guy, we can win no matter what. And I, I think as the season went along and they lost game after game that they were supposed to win, that 
it just builds up on itself. All the things yeah. that are being talked about from the outside. These guys can't ignore them. You guys can't win big games. Your quarterback just isn't good enough. And then when you start to see it early in that game, so he throws the touchdown, but then the next couple of drives look like, uh-oh, this is the version <laughs> that we were all afraid about. It just There was never a resiliency there for anybody else to say, all right, we're going to make this happen no matter what. And then, of course, there's also circumstance of having to go on the road and being beaten down and everything else. But I, I just think this is a thing that happens for a unit that has been together for so long and hasn't reached the goal that they set out to reach. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, assessment. You, you know, you don't have anyone kind of rallying the group. And I, I don't want to sound like a 19... 19- 92 Disney coach or something, but winning is a habit, right? <laughs> winning is a habit. And, and I think, you know, we use these words like culture and people hate these words. They call them cliches, but it's a real thing. I think when you faced adversity and you've come out on top, this team doesn't have that history. When they face adversity, things go south. Mm-hmm. So I think you become accustomed to that, that if you are in the lead, if things are flowing early, you understand in that situation how to keep going, right? But if you're coming from behind, uh, if things aren't going your way, you're not really sure how to respond to that because you don't have that experience. And I think that to me is when you haven't overcome those moments as a group, it's difficult to imagine a different outcome in those situations. So I do think there are a lot of things mentally with this team in terms of what they're accustomed to seeing that matter. There are a lot of things that you know, you kind of sink into the, uh oh, here we go again. Like, that's a real team. You know, I cover basketball. So I've, I've been around a lot of these teams for years and years and years. And if you look at basketball today, one of the most interesting things is these teams are swapping out players nonstop, whether yeah. they're going pro, yep. whether transfers are coming in, it is nonstop. But if you look at the last decade and you look at Villanova and Kansas and Duke and Kentucky and Arizona and all these programs that just have won for decades, it doesn't matter who's there. Even in some of their worst years, Collar, these guys still find ways to win big games, right? Like that to me is the biggest thing for this organization is until it becomes a habit, uh, until there is a culture of winning. Man, that sounds like a 94 Disney movie. I get it. (laughs) But like until that becomes something where you're like, okay, we're down. We're on the road against a really good San Francisco team. We're going to be okay. Until you can give that team that experience, you can't fake that. Kyle, like there's no way to fake it. And the thing I noticed in the locker room with the Packers after they won on Monday Night Football in Minneapolis – was this sense of they were in that locker room at halftime going, we got them, right? We have yep. made every mistake in the book. We are playing terribly right now. We should not even be this close, but because we are, we got them and wait until things go our way in the second half. Whereas I think we all in that press box kind of got the sense of, uh-oh, Kirk Cousins isn't on. There's no Dalvin Cook. They're only up 10-9. They haven't been able to capitalize on these big mistakes it's probably going to go against them here in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. So until you have a pattern of moments and situations where you're overcoming, you don't believe. The best example I can give is the 2009 season with Brett Favre, where he just kept leading them to big wins. He just kept making clutch plays. And by week 11 or 12, Kyle, you're like, they can do this because it's one thing to win in week one or two in sort of a clutch situation. But if you're doing that in week two, five, six, seven, eight, nine, oh, this is just what we do. We win in these situations. We overcome in these situations. This Vikings group doesn't have that, Colin. I got to be honest with you. I don't know how that changes in 2020. 
You know, um, one of your colleagues, uh, Kevin Arnovitz, I was listening to him on the Zach Lowe podcast not that long ago, and he was talking about culture and, and the Spurs and how, you know, they, they've, they've got this great culture and everything that they've built up, but they're not winning anything without Tim Duncan. And ultimately, culture becomes your best player a lot of times. Yeah. And when your best player is Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson, I think you, or even Aaron Rodgers, you go in believing, even if Aaron Rodgers is not having a great season, tell me one player on the Packers who isn't like, you know, we got Aaron Rodgers, though. So, like, you know, I mean, I know that he missed that one throw or whatever, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. And this is how it is with basketball, too, where if you have that person, then you believe, if you have Maya Moore on your team, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is, you're going to believe that she's going to raise the level of all of us around. And when they didn't have her last year, guess what? That didn't happen, and the links are out in the first round. I mean, it's just, like, this is kind of the history of sports, is it all kind of comes down to who your best player is. And this is where, Myron, the conversation is so difficult about Kirk Cousins. Because I keep envisioning people listening to us talking about drafting a quarterback and and things like that and moving on and what could be the potential of their options and saying, guys, he was the fifth best by PFF in the entire league this year. Or or he was, whatever, fourth in quarterback rating. And even I I ran through the numbers for my piece at scorenorth.com that he's fifth in quarterback rating since 2015. There's only a handful of quarterbacks who have put together a better quarterback rating. And rating is not a perfect stat, but it also correlates usually to winning. And Cousins is 42-35-2 and two since 2015, yeah. wow. which is not terrible by any means. Seven games over 500, right? So when you lay it all out like that, it's like, boy, you do have a very good quarterback here. It's not like in 2017, after that season, they moved on from Case Keenum to sign Scott Mitchell, and then it blew up in their face or something, yeah. right? Like This is, it's been like a, a weird thing to analyze because you have a playoff win, you have a playoff appearance, and by a lot of standards, you would say, well, if you got that out of your quarterback and a playoff win in New Orleans against Drew Brees, you had a pretty darn good season. But that's not where they set the bar. And also, going forward, I'm not sure they'll be able to repeat having a, a roster that's this good. And that's where it becomes very tricky. And I don't know where you stand on this, but I, I think that that's why we're having the conversation is not, well, is, is he good? Like, No, he's good. But... Is he the guy that you can look to, or is he the the Maya Moore that you can look to every time something is difficult to get you over the top? Because you go through the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, and aside from you know Trent Dilfer, <laughs> most of them are that person that you can always look to. They're and really say, good. Yeah, exactly. That you're always going to believe that you can win. Yeah, and that is not you know what you have with Kirk Cousins in terms of the tangible results, you definitely have that in the numbers. And the numbers suggest that not only has Kirk Cousins been one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, he'd be difficult to replace. I mean, at the end of the day, the thing is a lot of people always lie about the quarterback search. Like there's so many people who go, well, look at the 49ers after Montana and the Colts and Andrew Luck to Peyton Manning from Peyton Manning. And we keep naming the same three or four franchises because most of the franchises lost great quarterbacks and never, ever recovered, yep. right? Or it yep. took them a decade. Or if you're the Miami Dolphins, you're still trying to find someone who gives you anything close to what Marino gave you. So yep. these are situations that can drag on for decades. And the Minnesota Vikings know that better than any franchise in terms of what can happen if you don't have that guy in place. 
So I understand, even if you have the questions about his big moment capabilities, uh, if he's going to be a no-show in some of these moments, I certainly understand why you would extend to Kirk Cousins and say, no matter what happens, we're going to build around him. My thing is this, Kyler, right? Has this team peaked under Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins? And if that's the case, should this be a team that's not really thinking about 2020 as much as they're thinking about 2021 and beyond blowing this whole thing up, trying to build around a young quarterback who comes at a reasonable cost and doing a lot what the Chiefs have done under Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are going to change once he gets his $200 million. They're not going to be able to keep that roster together. Oh, yeah. But in the time that they have had him, they have signed Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and all these other great players who are, are going to get paid by somebody this offseason so they've had a window under a young quarterback. Is that the route to go? because I can see a world where you extend Kirk Cousins and you're just going nine and seven for the next three or four years. And if that's the case, whoever is the next coach to replace Mike Zimmer ends up in the same boat that we're in right now. Okay, what do we do next? And that's why I think the Vikings, not only do I think they have to think about their vision for next for the coming years, I think you have to take that power away from Mike Zimmer. Like, I don't think he gets to decide how this franchise views itself in the next three to five years. That's got to come from above him, and then you got to make decisions accordingly. I've definitely been thinking about that a lot, Myron, for how much power Mike Zimmer is going to have in decision-making because he clearly made the Anthony Barr decision. And right yep. now, that one looks like not great. And yep. it's, again, not that Barr isn't a good football player, but he isn't a game-changing player. Actually, his buddy Eric Hendricks was this year. Definitely. And you're paying him a $15 million cap hit for the next couple of years that you can't really get out of because of the amount of dead cap money. And that's what happens when Zimmer makes the decision and not the front office. And the same thing's going to happen with Delvin Cook if you let Zimmer make make the decision, he's going to have a $100 million contract because Zimmer loves Delvin Cook more than you love anything. So, I mean, right? Like, But that's a decision that if you're being really prudent as a front office and looking at this as, you know, next year we're probably a 9-7 and seven football team, so we really shouldn't pay a running back this much. We should trade that running back and, and try to get younger pieces and things like that. If, if you're being really cold-calculated Patriot style, then that's probably what you're thinking. And so I'm very fascinated to find out what type of conversations are happening at TCO and and whether the front office is going to get the power to make these calls. But you're still talking about a general manager who probably feels like the seat is pretty warm if they go eight and eight next year, which right now would be my prediction. And of course, there's a million days to go and there's lots of opportunities for trades and and signings and different things and and creating cap space. And and we could be talking about very different, but right now it has the feel of like a Philadelphia Eagles in 2017. You were great that one season and your roster peaked, but then after that you were just okay. And then this year, not really that competitive because things change. Players get hurt, salary cap issues and, and on and on and on. And so I guess what I was thinking about with cousins is if you sign them to an extension, the the option that I would say I'm okay with would be a five-year contract extension where you have time to rebuild it around Kirk Cousins. If you say, look, I don't want to have this quarterback in uncertainty, so even if we go 8-8 eight and eight and 9-7 and seven the next year, we're then 
filling these spots that were lost to age. So we're finding a new defensive end across from Daniil Hunter in the draft. We're finding a three technique to replace Sheldon Richardson, which it was very clear that without him they couldn't pressure the quarterback in the middle of the field. We're finding guys to replace. We're finding our next shutdown corner for Zimmer to develop if he's going to be our head coach through this section of time. But you almost have to be realistic and expect that it's not going to be a 13-3 and season next year. It's going to have to go through a little bit of a retool. They're not bad enough to rebuild, to go all the way to the bottom and draft your Nick Bosa and completely change your franchise from one or two players that you draft at the top, but it's going to have to be good, solid draft picks like Brian O'Neill, like an Eric Hendricks that you find in the second round, who then become the next wave. And I, I think you could sign up for that, but with your target date a couple of years out to be a Super Bowl contender again, because doing it next year, the only way to get there would be pure and sheer desperate signings or desperate trades, and we know that those usually blow up. So if your plan isn't going to be to sign him for five years, and maybe in year four and five you have a legitimate chance at it, if it's going to be another three-year deal, and you're saying, oh, that's our window now to win the Super Bowl, that, that, that three-year deal, I don't know if I would think that was a very good idea. Yeah, I just don't know why. I mean, I, I definitely think you've got to give him four or five years if you're going to extend him. It can't be another three-year deal or something like that. But why should Vikings fans have to wait again? I mean, that becomes my question is do you go eight and eight, nine and seven, and hope maybe in year four you're that team again? Or do you try to draft a quarterback you can develop? And maybe he's four in 12 and five in 11 but in year four and five, as you build around uh, his deal, maybe then that's when you're like, okay, we got a quarterback of the future. We've got some pieces around him. We're in an NFC North that has Mitch Trubisky, an aging Matthew Stafford, and Aaron Rodgers who will retire at some point. We can get to nine and seven, ten and six. I think that to me has to be the, the conversation because it's not that there aren't any guarantees. It's that this feels like the greatest window that you could ever create. So if they don't have the success in this window, it's hard for me to imagine somehow in year three and four, things suddenly turning around. And I think this is also something the Vikings have to consider. That Mahomes deal is coming, right? That $200 million deal is coming. He'll be yep. the highest paid quarterback of all time. And every agent in the NFL is going to say, okay, he's worth $40 million. I get it. But my guy, you're not going to tell me he's worth 30 no, my guys were 36, 37, 38. Right. Yep. And they're going to be all these guys who are going to get bigger deals based off what Mahomes gets. And that becomes my challenge. Kyle, can you give him five years at $38 million or something like that and justify that trying to build around him? That is going to be the biggest question that this front office has to make a decision about. And that, to me, is bigger than Kirk Cousins has been really good in terms of on paper, hasn't shown up in the big moments. But I certainly understand why you extend him. I don't know if you can afford to extend him for what he's going to cost and the pressure that's going to put uh, on your cap going forward as you try to build a contender in you. The only way to do it, to have a contender with a quarterback who is being paid an unbelievable amount of money, is to have a bunch of hits in the draft and a bunch of players who are maybe even undrafted who develop into really good players around that guy. And Green Bay and New Orleans would be your examples. And, of course, <clears throat> those quarterbacks 
pretty impressive players as <laughs> yeah. well. So they have to be able to justify that. But, you know, they have Aaron Jones, and they were able to find enough cap space to sign Zadarius Smith because they have someone like Jair Alexander, who is a key shutdown corner that is on a rookie contract. And the yep. same thing goes for the Saints. And the Saints are probably calling Drew and saying, you know, man, if you don't want to come back, it's okay. We could just, like, resign Teddy and, you know, <laughs> to, like, way less money and no big deal because... <laughs> yeah. Michael Thomas's contract's going to kick in, and then yeah. all of a sudden it gets real tricky. And if they sign Alvin Kamara to a big deal, it's like you got to have those megastar players on rookie deals somewhere yep. on the team. It, it can't. I mean, at quarterback, it's the most helpful, but if it's at other places, you could still succeed. And right now, the Vikings have almost all of their players who are in their primes signed to big deals. So the two receivers signed to the big deals, and you know Harrison Smith is still getting paid a lot of money. So you don't have those guys, and Eric Hendricks too, you don't have those guys on rookie deals who are stepping up and, and playing really well outside of maybe Brian O'Neill and, and Delvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you sign Kirk again, and it's a lot, a lot of money, and then you try to pay Delvin Cook, and then Brian O'Neill moves to left tackle and is really good there, and then you got to pay him too, then where's that money coming from? It's going to have to come from the other side of the ball, and it becomes this thing where you can never quite make the pieces work, Myron, which is why I think if you put it out there, and uh, I think Rami did yesterday a poll of like which way should the Vikings go with this quarterback situation, most people said, hey, do everything you can this offseason to restock the cupboard with whatever cap space you can find, because right now you're $5 million over the cap for 2020, yeah. um, but do whatever you can in this offseason to replace the pieces that have started to fall off a little bit, say like your Linval Joseph, who in 2017 is a premier defensive lineman in the league, but now is just you know, okay. So replace him with a guy making three million or five million to get that same production, and then put you know some money in free agency into another top corner and try to uh, you know improve the cornerback situation. Run it back. Try to win, but also make sure you draft a quarterback this year to develop for the future to start probably in 2021 because it is so hard to make the math work unless you have Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees. Do you trust Spillman to make those moves you're talking about and to rebuild, maybe the wrong word, but to to tweak a roster and position that roster to win big in the next two to three years if they extend Kirk Cousins? Is he the guy to do that? Because my thing is that's a question you have to answer too. Like, who's making these decisions? And that is going to be important going forward because Spillman and Zimmer are in a similar spot coming into next season. And are they building? And is Zimmer going to look at this as, I got to win now to justify keeping me around? Because I don't know that you have two guys, like you said, on the hot seat who are going to be thinking, let's sacrifice 2020 to get to 2021. And that's why there are so many problems with this team in the near future. I mean, Kirk Cousins. It seems like an automatic that they will probably extend him, but it's the other stuff that makes me go, this feels like another stretch of nine and seven, eight and eight coming. And if that's the case, and I'm a Vikings fan who saw what I saw in 2017, uh, I'm disappointed. Like, I'm disappointed looking in that and going, wait a minute, 
You're telling me I got to wait another three or four years to try to get back into a rhythm? You should have defeated Kansas City. You should have had at least one of those wins against Green Bay. You shouldn't have lost to Chase Daniel. That's, I think, how a lot of people are looking at this, Kyle, or not. You need to restock the cupboard. No, you had a cupboard, and you couldn't win in those critical situations, and that's why you're in the scenario that you're in now, and that's why Green Bay is playing at San Francisco this weekend to try to get to another Super Bowl. All right, speaking of that, we will have to uh, discuss the championship games and, and get your take on those Myron and also I I did promise that we will talk about is there any path that we could see the Vikings playing this weekend next year we will do that when we return you're listening to Friday edition of Purple Daily Matthew Collar ESPN's Myron Metcalf here on Score North All right, welcome back into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar and Myron Metcalf. Myron, we have championship games to discuss, but I promised right off the top of the show that we would talk about the path for the Vikings to be playing this weekend next year. And I'm sure that a lot of people just went, (laughs) but, 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 stay, stay with me here. Is there a path to them being in this game next year, Myron? I think there's always a path, um, and I think it, it involves, you know, the Lions going forward. What's Matthew Stafford's condition? Is he going to be a guy who suddenly succumbs to injuries? I mean, that's a franchise that is always rebuilding. They're not much of a threat. The Bears and Trubisky, you know, I, I don't know that they improve dramatically. And then a Packers team that, you know, has really, I don't want to say stumbled into this, but they, they got a lot of breaks, and they won the games they had to win to get in this position but I also think we could be watching a guy in Aaron Rodgers who uh, continues to take some steps back. Um, the way he plays and, and how mobile he's been throughout his career, he's taken a lot of hits. Uh, is he the same guy going forward? But even if he is, the guy we saw this year, that doesn't seem like a team you can't beat, although that defense has been pretty good. So uh, the pass starts with dominating the NFC North, mm-hmm. which I still think it's that's a manageable ambition. Uh, with this team, depending on who who comes back, but they weren't that far off in, in this season. I mean, they had opportunities. I think that's the thing when you think about next season. If they just do what they should have done in 2019, they've got an opportunity. You know, if you just capitalize on those moments that you have to have, you have to beat Matt Moore in the Chiefs. You have to beat Chase Daniel in that situation. Uh, you have to find a way to win when you've given the when the Packers have uh, given up three turnovers and should have had four in the first half. So I, I think it, it starts there. And then I think it also starts with a lot of health. Is Dalvin Cook, uh, is he there and healthy? Assuming he's on the roster, does he give you 16 games? Can Stephon Diggs give you 16? Can Adam Thielen give you 16? Because I think the injuries are a major factor as well. Um, but I think consistency is, is the biggest word going around. If the Titans collar. If the Titans, okay, if the Titans can start with Marcus Mariota, lose him midseason, replace him with Ryan Tannehill, and somehow end up in the AFC Championship game, uh, nothing seems impossible. Like what that shows to me, what the Titans have done, is that you can be an average team, but show up in the big moments and advance to this position. It's not doesn't happen often. Uh, most you're most likely going to lose to the Ravens and the Patriots and teams like that. But you can step up big time down the stretch and really elevate the fortunes of your franchise. So that, to me, is the path with the Vikings' health, being consistent, showing up in big moments, 
And, and you know, you're going to need some of those breaks as well. But when you get them, you got to capitalize. I think, first of all, you would have to tell me for sure that Stephon Diggs is still on this team. Because I Good don't point. I don't think it's worth uh, just ignoring what happened in week four. I don't think that's a good idea that whatever was under the surface in week four, when he clearly wanted out and decided he wasn't going to show up to practice for two straight days. And then there were rumblings that he had requested a trade that previous summer. And there was the Instagram thing where his brother tweeted out or, or Instagrammed out. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm not, a, Gen, I'm not a Gen Z. I can use these things, but I'm out. still not fluent. It's grammed out. Uh, grammed. Yeah. He grammed a picture yep. of him in the Washington football uniform. And I, I think that there was definitely some lightning where there's thunder there, smoke where there's fire there, when it came to Diggs not being happy with the direction of the team, with Mike Zimmer wanting to be run first, and the fact that they threw the third fewest passes in the NFL, I think he looks at himself like, I should be DeAndre Hopkins. People should be talking about me as the guy who gets 150 targets and 100 plus catches and dominates and is in the Pro Bowl every year. The fact that Stephon Diggs has not made a Pro Bowl yet I mean, he's that caliber of wide receiver, but he doesn't get the targets. He doesn't get the fantasy numbers to have them. And I look at other athletes, you know, in the NBA where they're saying, you know, I want, I want it to be my team or, or I don't want to play for this team. Like Kyrie Irving wanting to move on to Boston to make it his team because he didn't want to live in the shadow of, you know, LeBron James. Well, you could see Stefan Diggs looking at it the same way and saying, you know, I don't know if I want to play where it's Delvin Cook's team and we run the ball, and if we don't run, we lose. And, oh, by the way, the quarterback will never throw into coverage, and yeah. a lot of times he just won't throw anyway. When I watched the film back, there were a few incidents where Stefan Diggs smoked Richard Sherman to the point where you'd be like, retire, Richard, retire. Yeah. But they didn't throw him the ball, so you never saw it. You can only see it on the All-22 tape when you look back and you're like, what did he just do to him? (laughs) But there... I mean, that can only happen so many times to Stephon Diggs where he goes back through the tape and be like, well, that should have been a touchdown. That should have been a touchdown. I murdered that guy. You know, <laughs> and uh, I, I wonder about his happiness. So I think that the path starts with finding a way to get Stephon Diggs back here and have him not sit out or not demand a trade or whatever his options might be at that point. And then the path from there is... You can actually fill some of these weaknesses and be better without spending a gazillion dollars. Like, you could get an average corner off of the scrap heap and have it be better than what Xavier Rhodes gave you last year. Definitely. And you have to resign Anthony Harris, in my mind, in order to be a contender again. Big cap it. And, and, right, it's going to be for sure. And that one's uh, exceptionally hard because he's worth. 14 or 15 million dollars based on his performance over the last two years and i don't know how they're going to fit that in even with letting other people go but then it comes down to also you're going to have to draft probably another corner you're going to have to draft a defensive lineman and you have to absolutely get better at the left guard position and maybe at the left tackle position, moving Brian O'Neill over there is a very real possibility of him being the left tackle. And I think you're better off if that's the case than if Riley Reef stays here and continues to play left tackle. So you can put together a roster that is just as competitive as this one and fill a few of the spots. And then I look around the NFC, Myron. Is there a team next year where you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to be there? No doubt. I mean, 49ers no. probably aren't going anywhere. <laughs> Seattle, it will be good because of Russell Jameis. Winston or Wilson, shoot. Yeah. What is his yeah. middle name? Uh, was, it's, it's, his middle name is uh, Jameis. 
Yeah, Russell, I know. Russell I James up, Winston. Winston. No, Wilson. I don't know what it is. No, but but I mean, Clown is going to leave. I'll right? find I mean, it. Clown is going to lose. Clown. Carrington. I mean, Who would have guessed that one? That's an interesting. Russell one. Carrington Wilson. Carrington. Carrington. Really? It sounds regal. That's one where you would not tell people in high school. They'd be like, "What's, your, <laughs> what's your middle name, bro?" And you'd be like, "Ah, uh, Tim." Yeah, when, <laughs> when you got that good hair that he has, though, you can have any middle name you want. People probably still thought he was. He was pretty cool. You Could know. be, but uh, so they have Russell C. Wilson. Yes, uh, that's better. That's even better. Yeah, <laughs> I would, yeah. Russell uh, C. Wilson's better. The Rams will be okay. They'll be competitive. Arizona's going to be better. Uh, New Orleans might be a one seed next year if Breeze comes back because they still have a ton of talent. But I don't look at it like, oh man, you you just this team is going to be out of this world good next year because they have this guy or that guy. Like the quarterback situation in the NFC is kind of weird. You have Wilson on a bad team and he just raises the level of their play but then who else i mean breeze is the other guy he might retire and there isn't another quarterback like you would say with mahomes where okay it's mahomes and everybody else there isn't that player if breeze walks away and even then they beat breeze in the playoffs that's kind of your path to get there is well you might go into two or three playoff games and not face an elite quarterback because there just aren't that many in the nfc right now yeah, man, but you know, I think that it certainly thinks that looks like the path could be a lot different next year. Uh, you bring up Stefan Diggs. I think you're, you've created a situation where people have every right to look out for themselves and, and to want to play for a contender. You, what you heard Davian Clowney say after their loss, Seattle's loss to Green Bay is they were saying, Hey, what do you want to do next? And he said, Look, man, I want to play for a contender. I don't want to get a big contract just to get it and not play for a team that's competing for a Super Bowl. And I think Stephon Diggs may fall into that category and other guys may go, you know what, is this really the long-term option for me? I just think the locker room in terms of who's bought in going forward, like how many guys in that locker room have taken this season and felt like, and not just this season, last season as well, and felt like, you know what, things are going to get better. You know, I don't know that you've established that. And that's what's going to make me curious in terms of how they make these personnel moves. Do you pay Dalvin Cook? Uh, yeah, um, I think they will. But, but should they? I mean, running back value, dude. I mean, it's just really hard to do that. Even if he's special, it's really hard to do that. With a bad cap situation, if this was a rookie quarterback contract, I might be like, yeah, pay him. But yeah. it's not. And unless it's going to become that pretty soon, if that's their plan is to move on from Cousins eventually after 2020, then I would say, yeah, actually, I think you do sign him because you'll have a rookie quarterback coming in and you want him to have a great player behind him and you can afford it. You can afford to spend some stupid money because it's like how I don't have kids and you do. So yeah. I'm like, $30, $40 on dinner? Who cares? I don't have kids. This I do the same is, thing. This, I spend stupid money, but yeah. yeah. yeah well, you point. know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't. So like, yeah, you know, You're right. You're right. People with is this, kids Is this are a like, TED Talk well, or a radio interview? I think yeah, that's right. like intervention. Uh, but, but it's like when you don't have kids, you could spend yeah. stupid money on stuff because you don't have to buy diapers or something. Yeah. So it's the same sort of thing. If they're going to move on, that really impacts the way I feel about that decision. If they're going to sign Delvin Cook to or, or Kirk Cousins to an extension, then you can't sign Delvin Cook also, I think. It just takes up way too much cap space on two players. Man, that's a lot of – I mean, the question becomes – is he the kind of game-changing back? And I think when healthy and playing to his potential, he can be. He's clearly shown that. But I think earlier in the season, as you know, I was all about paying him. Pay him now. But then when you watched him get banged up, 
And, and you watched him have moments where it wasn't the same guy, and you thought, mm-hmm. man, is he going to be able to play this way for the next three to four years, or is, is his body just going to start to break down uh, as he takes more and more of these hits? Uh, not really the guy necessarily who's going to become more versatile, kind of back like a Christian McCaffrey or something like that. So, man, there are limits on those guys. And when you watch Damian Williams with the Chiefs, who I think was a seventh-round pick, I believe. I could be wrong about that. But I think he was a seventh-round pick. And you watch what he does in yeah. that Chiefs offense, and you go, that's ideal, right? If you can get a running back like that, who just is willing to put on the mileage for three years mm-hmm. and, and play at a really high level, that's ideal. But once you invest in a Dalvin Cook, you've got to know that in the next three to four years. You've got you've to be making the decision that – this guy hasn't peaked yet, right? And that he's three or four years away from doing that. And that, to me, is a hard, hard call, man. Yeah, it is a hard call. And if you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback and Andy Reid as your play caller or designer, then you can probably plug in almost anybody back there. Remember when everyone said, oh, without Kareem Hunt, they're just done. Those are the Chiefs. Yeah. They, that offense yeah. can't sustain. And then, you know, they went to the AFC Championship yeah. and should have won if somebody could have lined up onside. That simple. Then they would have won. And Patrick Mahomes would probably have his first Super Bowl ring already. Um, and no one missed Kareem Hunt whatsoever. This offense, when they tried playing without Delvin Cook, it was pretty clear that that was a problem. And with Kirk Cousins... I think he has to have that. He has to have that running back. He has to have the guy he can check down to and he turns uh, a throw that goes three yards behind the line of scrimmage into 20 yards. Because something that I looked at was really fascinated by this year is Cousins had an absurd yards per attempt when throwing behind the line of scrimmage. Eight yards per attempt. To put that into context, last year he averaged four yards per attempt throwing behind the line of scrimmage. And even Case... Keenum, when he was throwing screens and stuff to Jarek McKinnon, it was only like five or six yards per attempt. It was an outrageous amount because Delvin Cook kept breaking tackles and being his security blanket there. So it's like you can't really keep both with the amount of money, but one needs the other one pretty badly. And your head coach loves Delvin Cook a lot, and your general manager, the last time he had an opportunity to sign a a running back to a big contract, he took up 20% of the salary cap (laughs) with Adrian Peterson. It was the most outrageous contract probably ever handed out considering positional value. So you have, and, and that's where... I keep wondering, Myron, what the Wilfs think of these two in, in their direction. And if I'm owning this team, I got to hear the plan before they're both coming back for sure. I know they put out the statement before the New Orleans game, where Mike and Rick are coming back. Yeah. But now things look a little bit different in the morning light. So if you wake up and say, oh, yeah, these guys, they want to give Delvin all the money, but this, you know, but the other guy wants to give Kirk all the money, too, and how are we going to have other players on the football team if we spend so much on, on these two who, you know, might be really great at their jobs, but are they good enough to win us a championship? And, you know, and, that, and that's where it becomes very, very difficult. You just want folks, to your point, you want uh, people to be able to make hard decisions. And, and to me, the thing I always hate about football is it's such a good old boys club and it's so built on relationships that you have guys who get opportunities beyond what they should based on feelings. I think the Vikings have to be past that. You can appreciate Mike Zimmer and everything he's done. You can appreciate Spillman and everything he's done 
and still make the decision that they're not the right guys to lead this team moving forward. And you would be justified in that. I mean, there has been a very solid window with a rich pool of talent that has allowed you to assess whether or not you think these are guys that can take this team to the Super Bowl in the next three to four years. And if you said no, I think everyone would understand that. But it all starts with Kirk Cousins. To me, if you're not moving on from him, if you're not going to play with this guy beyond 2020, you blow the whole thing up. To me, you go in a completely different direction as an organization. You start to hit the rebuild button. You cut all the weight that you can. And you move into 2021 going, we don't have a lot of answers, but... This is what happens when you're maybe a young team with a quarterback on a rookie deal. But I feel like this is going to be a team that tries to blend those two worlds. And I think that's very difficult to do without a Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson Mm -hmm. or someone like that who can get you to the playoffs as a young quarterback. That to me is what they need to happen. All these worlds to come together and to blend perfectly. And we all know that has not been the case uh, in the history of the Vikings to get all those things in their favor. No, it has not. And we'll see what happens here. I think that the possibility is open to this thing becoming very interesting within the next couple weeks of who they bring in as a defensive coordinator, if they make a change there, or if they let Mike Zimmer hire his son as the defensive coordinator. And then you're sort of doubling down on Zimmer saying, no, yeah, we're going to let him do whatever he wants and give him one more chance and then see where this goes from there. Or if they say, no, you know what, actually, you have to bring in someone different for for the offensive coordinator or for the defensive coordinator. The defense wasn't good enough, so you need to bring in an outside voice that can actually call the plays. I mean, that that's where I would really love to hear these conversations if they're saying, wait, you're... Okay, Mike and Rick, your plan is to just run it back. So, you know, this didn't really work the last few times. So we need to do X, Y, and Z. Or if they're saying, hey, you guys know what you're doing. You've won a lot of football games. So you guys figure it out. And then we'll fire you if it doesn't work next year. Or we'll give you a lifetime contract if it does. So, uh, you know, that will be interesting to see. Even we'll get our first indication of how they're thinking by who's hired as offensive and defensive coordinator. And that probably happens within the next few weeks. Uh, Let's talk about these games, Myron. Tennessee, Kansas City. If Tennessee wins, I think it will be one of the biggest upsets of all time, considering who the quarterback is for the Kansas City Chiefs. It'll it'll be the biggest, for sure. And you would have a Titans team that somehow ran through uh, all of the greats. A Titans team that beat the Patriots, the Ravens, and now the Chiefs. That, to me, would be one of the more remarkable upsets in Sports history, especially considering where they've come. In midseason, no one saw them even maybe being a playoff team to this point. And, and you're right, Mahomes, if you go from being down 24-zip and you win and you lose to the Titans, the sixth seed, uh, that would be a tremendous upset, especially at home. But weird things have been happening in the AFC throughout the playoffs with the Titans. So who knows? I mean, the Texans should have won that game. Like, uh, you yeah. shouldn't be up 24-0 and somehow lose, right? That was a Bill O'Brien special. They scored too fast. It just, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I think the Chiefs will win, but I won't be shocked if something crazy happens. Yeah, well, I, I would, but the way that Ryan Tannehill has been playing, he hasn't been playing like just an average quarterback or something. Great. He's been unbelievable. <laughs> he led the NFL in quarterback rating and was pro football focus's highest rated, highest rated quarterback in the entire league through the time that he played, which is really crazy. I, I always thought, Myron, that Tannehill was better than what he was doing in Miami. Because, yeah. I mean, even 
in uh, 2017, after that season was over, he was among the candidates that I wrote about. Hey, should the Vikings look at this guy because he's been playing for this garbage team and you know his coach is a fool and they don't know what they're doing and maybe you could make him better in Minnesota. I did not expect him to be this good. So it ultimately always comes down to, even when you have Derrick Henry, how well your quarterback plays. And I don't know how much longer this roller coaster is going to ride with Ryan Tannehill, but it could certainly keep going where he's just flat out excellent and accurate and can make plays and they set up their play actions brilliantly to get people open. And AJ Brown's an unbelievable rookie wide receiver. Like it could keep happening. They're very strong, but. In Kansas City against Mahomes, even if you get up on them, it doesn't seem to matter. Like this could be a great battle between these two teams, but Mahomes is going to go to his first Super Bowl, I think. He better because I tell you what, Mahomes is young. He's going to get a big deal, and and he'll have other opportunities. But if you're Andy Reid and you can't beat the sixth seed when everyone assumed you'd have to go to Baltimore right. to yeah. advance to the Super Bowl, and you might have a chance to face a San Francisco team with sort of an unproven quarterback, an aging corner, a really good team, but a team that hasn't been there before, not this group at least, or the or the Green Bay Packers, a team that you already have a win against, a team that has an aging quarterback. It's looked good, obviously, but if you're Andy Reid and you don't win this now, Kyler, then win, man. When yeah. do you get the next yeah. opportunity? No, you're right, and – uh this is a team that is pretty stocked with playmakers and their defense is playing pretty well. You know, they got down 24 nothing, but some of that was just silly mistakes. And then, you know, the way Tyron Matthew has been playing, he's been maybe the most valuable defensive player since what? Midway oh. through the, the season? The, I mean, he's been incredible. And Amazing. The, what I love about Twitter is that there are a lot of guys I follow who do film breakdowns who have just been marveling at what he did last week against Houston in the second half of that game, just shutting down the Houston offense single-handedly. There was um, a play where he faked the blitz, dropped back in coverage, took away Deshaun Watson's first target and his second target, yes, I'm glad and you then saw that. forced Deshaun Watson to scramble out of bounds. I was like... Is that four people or one? Because you shouldn't be <laughs> yeah. allowed to do that on one play. Yeah, he has freakish football instincts and football IQ, and I've always rooted for him. I always wanted to see him succeed yeah, me because too. of what happened in college, and he was such an exciting player to watch, and he's turned out to be a great NFL player. Yes. Uh, Green Bay and San Francisco, hard to see Green Bay doing anything but what they did the last time they played San Francisco, <laughs> right? I mean, San Francisco's yeah. defensive line is just so good that they dominate everything you want to do, and that's what the Vikings ran into. And what Mike Zimmer said, we ran into a buzzsaw. I think that's what he's referring to, is that that defensive line, with D Ford back and they're healthy, and they have four or five guys who are playing at a really high level, I just have a tough time seeing Aaron Rodgers pulling out enough magic to even keep that game close. Yeah, there, there's only there's only one scenario that makes sense, and it's not Aaron Rodgers cutting up that team or Aaron Jones somehow having a big day. It's three or four early takeaways yes. that you convert yes. into touchdowns. It's it's that to me is the only you know a couple of Garoppolo fumbles, uh, interception or two, and at least two of those you convert into touchdowns, and you do what the Titans did to go up big early uh, against the Ravens. Like to me that. Is, is the only, I'm not saying the Titans had turnovers. Those were big plays they made, but you take that early lead against a team like San Francisco and maybe you kind of get them on their heels a little bit because they're kind of playing with this whole, we're supposed to be there kind of thing. So a little adversity could change them. But other than that, this could be one of those, 
you know, 42 to 21 kind of games against the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers. And that 21 could be reached in the final minute when the game's already been decided kind of thing. The thing I think about all the time is what answers do you have if things go wrong? And I think what we saw from San Francisco last week against the Vikings is that even when Jimmy G, and he made some throws early, but even when Jimmy G isn't perfect and he makes a terrible interception throwing it to Eric Hendricks, that they have another answer, and that answer is being able to run the ball and yeah. being creative on offense. So they, they just have answers for everything, and they have such a strong defense at this point. Richard Sherman playing at an extremely high level still, and it's just hard for me to see it. If Green Bay pulls it off, what a kick in the nether regions for Vikings fans. <laughs> Feeling like they should have beat Green Bay twice, and then they end up in the Super Bowl. That would be um, not fun, not fun. But Minnesota fans, they're used to it. Like they, they, Definitely. This is what they know. They've got the calluses built up. So, uh, Myron, always great stuff to catch up with you. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll keep doing this for a while this offseason, right? Sounds good. Definitely, man. All right. Sounds good. Okay, so if you missed any of the show, go to wherever you get your podcast. Just type in Purple Daily. Or if you just have an old PC, just go to scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com, and you can listen to all the shows on your PC as well. What a world it is. All right. We will catch you next week to talk about the Super Bowl matchup when I see you again on Monday. Thanks for listening to Purple Daily. Coming up next is Mackie and Judd with Rami here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.